Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm back at home. Uh, I'm no longer in a hotel where the Wi-Fi this week I feel like was especially bad. And it was a rough. We one. had lo- we had loyal listeners pointing that out to us, which uh, which we appreciate. But we are Eric listens to the whole <laughs> thing before he he sends it to me, and I post it, and I usually listen to most of it while I'm getting ready to post it. So unfortunately, we were painfully aware, but. Um, we don't care enough about you to re-record a podcast <laughs> after the Wi-Fi is bad, especially because there's really nothing we can do about yeah. it. So. And, and a couple yesterday... of those, we like hung up on each other like three or four times and yeah. connected and like tried everything possible to make it work. So we yeah. were, we were at what's that? Yes, yeah. Yesterday, I just switched to my my LTE hotspot on my phone um, instead of just trying to use the the hotel Wi-Fi, and I, I think that was better. But um, anyway, work in progress. It's a free podcast, people. This is the you're gonna have to deal with some some garbage, and and it's usually me that's like you know cutting out from time to time because Eric's the one that records it. And trust me, you're not missing anything. That that's why I talk for like a half hour, you know, so I, you you don't miss hopefully too much. So, so if you, there is like ten seconds, I I have like thirty seconds on each side. I can move paragraphs around and make sure it all works. Uh, today, Frank, we have a special guest. Oh man, this is the moment of truth, and I've already forgot. Like we went over this like three or four minutes, and I'm really, I can't. All right, I'm not helping you. Brett Abramchek, perfect from Brew Hoop, who wrote a wonderful article today, uh, trying to figure out the best way for the Milwaukee Bucks to play their players, which seems like a very logical, simple, easy idea. There's five players on the floor. You have roughly 10 to 12 players that are worth putting on the floor. How can you not figure out how to do it? Um, But, Brett, we talked about it a little bit today, um, just in, like, some emails and stuff. It's actually kind of difficult, no? Oh, my God. It's it's one of those things where, like, I, I feel like I outlined it right in the start where I'm like, and I wrote this before I even like got into it and like started like actually planning things out. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. Like for the Bucks, you know, it's a lot easier for other teams. Probably, you know, eight or nine man rotations. You pretty much know what you're getting. But even at that point, I had no idea what I was getting into. Even when I got like the minutes down, I'm like, I have like you know this notepad out, and I have like three pages of just like scribbles and everything. I just like obsessed over it. And like I said, I I still have a bunch of things in there that like I, I still am not happy with. So yeah, it's it was like a freaking mental puzzle. By the way, is I thought I enjoyed it because I read it almost like a memoir. Like there was it was I liked how transparent you were about sort of the way you approached it because I feel like it's it's easy to to, to let something like that become the like 
this is what this is what it should be. And you were kind of very introspective about why you were picking, you know, certain guys. And, you know, you, you would have liked to find minutes for this guy. But look, hey, you also considered this and you didn't feel strongly about that. It was I felt it was a very honest piece, which I appreciated because I don't know. I feel like people are always just, you know, complaining about rotations. I, I, again, I always say this, like it's not unique to the Bucks. Kid might be weirder than certainly average coaches in terms of rotations. But um, I think in general, like that's like one of those things that fans just love to like, everybody has like their guy who should play more, you know, guys who should play less. Um, and I thought this was an interesting exercise and I, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. And I, I think I, I'm, I don't know. I mostly agreed with it. I hope that this isn't just like a group think thing. Um, but I don't know. Eric, oh, it won't. How do you, how, it won't. How do you guys? How do you guys want to approach? It? I think there are a few things that probably are, are more interesting than others in terms of like some of the decisions you had to make. So I don't. I don't know. Eric, did did one like kind of jump out at you that you really want to take Brett to task over? Um, what do you, where do you want to start? I don't know if that'd be the way to do it, but I guess let's start with the guys that eat up the most minutes. I think that's the logical way to do it um, because. The thing that jumped out to me was Chris Middleton at 38 minutes and Giannis at 42 minutes. And I think there's the not just the logical assumption that when you go to the playoffs, guys are going to play more and your your horses, you're really going to let them run and you got to get them on the floor as much as possible. And 42 for Giannis, like, again, he's one of the five to 10 best players in the world. Um makes sense that you would try to get him as many minutes as possible i guess brett i kind of have your feelings on it frank i want to ask you how many minutes do you think Giannis can actually play per game in a playoff series because that's something i've been thinking about in the last couple days and and i don't know what that number is he he seems relatively impervious to injury um he, he doesn't seem to get fatigued all that often i know there's been games where people have said that he he looks kind of tired um but I, I don't know, he's just so young, he's so athletic, it seems like he could play, I mean, 48. Um, obviously, that's not what you would do, but where do you think that number ends up, Frank? Well, I, I think I've generally made it clear, like, I'm not the kind of person who, like, it, in if Giannis plays 43 minutes in a game, like, I know a lot of people will go to Twitter and then be like, why the hell did Giannis play 43 minutes? You know, especially if it was not like a game that was over and overtime or decided and nip and tuck and until the late stage of the game. Um, I probably worry about that less than most people. And um, so especially in the playoffs, I mean, the whole point of getting to the playoffs and, you know, again, Giannis, it's not like Giannis played 39 minutes per game. He, you know, he, he was, I'd say in a pretty good place in terms of average minutes per game this year. Um, I think the factors that you would consider are, you know, kind of like, okay, obviously you want to have your, your best players in there uh, as, you know, as long as you can keep them in there without sort of having a bad trade-off, obviously, of um, getting, keeping them in there too long. Um, I think Giannis can probably play longer minutes. I think when you look at his, um, his splits in terms of like quarter by quarter, I mean, you know, I think he was what him and Brogdon were two of the like highest efficiency scorers in fourth quarters. I think in terms of just like a, I think it was just like field goal percentage, maybe not effective field goal percentage. But um, you know, he's not a guy that has typically worn down as games go on, and and that might change if you do play him for you know forty four minutes or something like that. But um, but I think in general, he seems like a guy who can play those heavy minute loads, and he doesn't seem to wear down too much as games go on. And I think the other piece, the other question is. 
you know, how much are you losing when he goes to the bench? And obviously th- there is no kind of like good replacement for Giannis. Um, but as we've mentioned, I mean, the Bucks, especially over the last, you know, really since December, the Bucks have actually been pretty good without Giannis on the court. So that would be, I think, the main argument for why maybe you can get away with, um, you know, bench units with uh, without Giannis, especially like, you know, let's say beginning of the second quarter or late in the first quarter, whatever you however you want to do it. Um, so I think there are opportunities to do that. I think what, you know, makes me nervous is, you know, again, uh, in a game where you're hanging by a thread, you're down five or something like that. And you try to steal, you know, six minutes of rest for Giannis to start the fourth quarter, right? I think that's where a lot of people, you know, kid, kid, kid kind of made them nervous. And mm-hmm. um, I think when in doubt, play Giannis, right? And and so I don't know if 42 minutes is a lot of minutes. Um, I, I think maybe the where you play him question is just as relevant as as how minutes, how many minutes you play him. And I know Brett went into that um, in terms of, you know, the discussion around do you try to play Giannis at some center? Um, I think that's maybe even more interesting than the question of of total minutes because again, especially in the playoffs where you have every other day off, you're not playing back to backs. Um, a guy like Giannis, you know, again, you're not pacing him for two months more of basketball. I wouldn't worry that too much if you played 42 minutes in a game. Okay, so that's where I wanted to go next. Brett, how did you get Giannis to 42? And and I guess kind of your thought process in this piece with Giannis. Well, so I think like, I think your concern about like too many minutes is, is totally valid. I mean, he does, I mean, if there's any player in the league that like does like a ton on both sides of the ball, you know, Giannis is right up there with them. So, I mean, I mean, 42 minutes is a lot, but... Um, it's with the caveat that this is like when I'm, when I was trying to outline this, this is basically like, okay, this is going to be a competitive game, um, you know, throughout and realistically, you know, with, with the history that the Bucks have had, um, with Toronto in Toronto, there's probably going to be a blowout or at least a game where they're down, you know, 15 with four minutes to go. And, you know, you might be able to, you know, he might not get up to those 42 minutes. Now, I don't know if I trust Jason Kidd to, you know, take him out with, you know, two minutes to go and down 15. Um, but yeah, I mean, 42, I, I would be lying if I didn't, if I, if I said that I didn't look up um, LeBron's, uh, you know, playoff minutes per game at the same age. And he was playing like 45. <laughs> now, <laughs> LeBron is a, is a different, you know, a different beast altogether, but um, that was not going to lie. That that brought me up a few minutes. It kind of it kind of motivated me um, to give him a few more minutes. You know, in his age twenty two season, now he came down like in his mid twenties, but in his age like twenty one, twenty two, twenty three seasons, he was playing like forty five minutes, which like <laughs> shocked me. But I mean, at, at the same time, I was thinking it was funny because I was thinking like you know, okay, that's a little bit different. It's LeBron and, you know, those Cavs teams, you know, didn't have much around him. And then I was kind of thinking, okay, well, I mean, the Bucks don't really have much around Giannis either. I mean, I would say better roster, but I mean, at the same time, um, I mean, it's just, if you, if you, if you want it, um, if you want to, you know, give yourself the best chance to win, I, I had to, I had to get him up there at 42. I, I did not realize that LeBron had played that many minutes in somebody's playoff. Let me, I, I'm just looking at LeBron's <laughs> average minutes per game stats um, in his career. I'll go postseason by postseason. Just read these off just so people have a sense of this. This is starting in 05-06. 46 and a half minutes in 13 <laughs> games that year. 
<laughs> the next year, 44.7 minutes, 42.5 minutes, 41.4 minutes, 41.8 minutes, 43.9 minutes, 42.7 minutes, 41.7 minutes. This is the Miami years, 38.2 minutes in his last season in Miami. So that was the first time he had played fewer than basically 42 minutes per game. <laughs> and that was the 13-14 season. The following year, 42.2 in his first year back in Cleveland. Last year, 39.1. So, yeah, I, I think that's actually really interesting because uh, you, you don't really think of anybody playing those kinds of crazy minutes anymore. And I think um, it, I think someone noted, uh, maybe it was in the comment section, somebody noted that like Curry averaged only like 35 minutes per game in the postseason last year. But um, LeBron, I mean, LeBron is not really human. He's an alien, but... Well, Giannis is kind of an alien too, so um, so definitely an interesting uh, an interesting you know sort of benchmark to look at. And um, actually, I'm I'm just going to take a quick look. Yeah, I mean, compared to his regular season, LeBron's first five regular seasons: thirty nine and a half minutes, forty two point four, forty two point five, forty one, forty point four. So he was playing those huge minute loads um, throughout the first sort of five years of his career as well. And um, you know, interestingly, it bounced back up to thirty seven point eight this year. So. Um, yeah, as much as people make a big deal out of LeBron, you know, missing random games due to sort of resting, it is ironic how, you know, this guy has played just an insane amount of minutes, both in the regular season and postseason over, you know, over a decade now. Okay, so we're thinking Giannis 40 to 42 doesn't seem all that crazy, I guess, because especially, like you said, Brett, if there is a blowout in there somewhere, which is certainly possible with as poorly as the Bucks have played the Raptors over the last. Man, not even just this year, the last two years, the last, <clears throat> I mean, since Jason Kidd has been in town, it's, I think it's 13 of the last 15 the Raptors have won against the Bucks. so there's there's a lot there um, that would suggest at some point there's going to be a blowout, so I, yeah, I suppose in those... And I mean, by the way, doesn't that make LeBron's numbers even crazier? I mean, especially with the Heat, you figure, it, you know, in the first round, there would be some blowouts, and he's still averaging at some point, like... 42 minutes a game, I mean, that just makes it crazier. Totally insane. I 100% agree. Okay, so we're there. Um, what were some of the other things that you wanted to try to maximize in this exercise? Um, obviously, Giannis had 42 sticks out. Um, I thought Middleton at 38 stuck out to me. Not so much because I think that's crazy or he doesn't deserve to play that many minutes, just because thinking of his hamstring injury and kind of how you want to try to get him back into the fold. Um, what were some of those other things that you were trying to maximize in this exercise? Well, so initially... Um I mean, the biggest thing was I was thinking, okay, those those non-Giannis minutes, I mean, we've seen some ugly lineups get thrown out there in the regular season. Um, and, you know, I'm not one to, you know, complain too much about um, rotations, but even those, I mean, I mean, some of them are just appalling at some point. So I definitely wanted to avoid those. So I wanted to make sure I got um, Middleton and um, Malcolm Brogdon on the court when Giannis was not... I failed to do so um, for the most part for three minutes in the first half. So yeah, like I said, there's a lot of things that I still don't like about you know the rotation I ended up with. But basically, I as I was going through this, I ended up um, finding something that I found even more important um, to prioritize, and that was minimizing Jason Terry um, and Matthew Delvadova minutes. Um, and it's a tough thing to do because, you know, you want to get both of these guys maybe like eight minutes per half um, based on the, you know, the minute outlines that I had. But they're both coming off the bench. Um, so there's not really much you can do. There's going to be some overlap. 
Um, and unfortunately, there is, and it's when Giannis um, is out. But ultimately, I think I minimize that to the best of my ability. And I, I don't know how many minutes they played together in the regular season. Um, quickly, right before we came on, I did a quick um, stats. 500, 536. 536 minutes that uh, Delvadova and Terry have played together. They did, and and remarkably, they've been a plus combination together, which is purely because of Jason Terry and those bench units, because we know that Delhi's generally been a negative <laughs> when he was with the starters. So the halo, the Jason Terry halo, man, you, you never <laughs> underestimate it. It makes no sense, but for some reason, you put Jet out there with lineups. Somehow, some, some ways it works, but I, that's one of those where I would agree that you know, th- there have been a lot of weird Jason Terry lineup effects this year that don't necessarily make much sense. I think you Jet does deserve credit because I think he sort of stays in his lane so well that I think he is going to lead to you know more success than certainly his his own individual contributions would suggest. But um, but yeah, it is weird that Delhi and, and Terry, given especially what both of them that lack against kind of like quick guards and stuff like that, like. I don't care that much what the data says. Like I'm, I don't want that combination to to be out there much together. So I, regardless of what that data might say and the the, the prettier picture it might paint, I would agree with you, Brett. I, you know, it, it's not something I'd want. And I would say, you, you know, on the Giannis and and Chris and 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 Brogdon stuff, I think you did make sure that that one of Chris and Giannis was on the court at all times. And I think that's that in a lot of ways is sort of like one of the fundamental tenets that I would say that kind of a lot of people would have about Bucks rotations is that you, you would want to definitely avoid uh, situations where, where both of those guys are on the bench. And I think kid typically got to the point I, and I'd have to look at it, but I think they sort of got to a point the last few weeks where it didn't seem like there were many lineups where both of them were sitting, but um, I'm sure someone will tweet at me examples of, of when that wasn't. There were some times in second quarters, but for the most part, he, he avoided it. I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, basically that that's going to happen. And I mean, I think that was also um, kind of matchup based. I mean, going through this, I don't really know. I probably could have taken, you know, the Raptors into account um, more often, but, at that point, with you know the Jason Terry, Matthew Della, the Dova minutes, that was like a for sure thing because you know, I mean, you can sit there and pray that Dwayne Casey isn't going to stagger them, and then um, or them meaning Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, and then somehow sneak Matthew Della, Dova, and Jason Terry in then. But I wouldn't count on it. Um, and the idea of those two. You know, having to guard each of them now in those minutes, you know, Chris Middleton um, will be on the court. So maybe you can slot him on to, um, you know, whichever one's in. Hopefully both of them aren't in. Um, and then maybe hide Jason Terry on a Damari Carroll or a PJ Tucker. Um, but yeah, so that was that was that was one one of the more important things that I looked out for, for sure. Yeah, let's talk a little bit. So I think the big man rotation is is probably one of the more interesting ones for the bucks because they certainly are not typical in that a they start a a youngster in don maker who um you know basically for much of of his tenure as a starter has basically started the first quarter started the third quarter and you know he'll play sometimes as few as like three minutes four four minutes and then get benched and and off you know typically he hasn't come back in now we've seen that change at, at times over the last few weeks um probably the um, the Detroit game was the, the obviously the biggest example where he came back and, and had a huge impact on the game. But um, 
maybe you could kind of lay out for us your thinking on and and you mentioned that you know you while you were mainly thinking about how to try to win a series against the Toronto Raptors or you know a playoff series right now um you know you did value playoff experience for young guys things like that so talk to us a little bit about um what you were thinking in terms of how to split up those center minutes because obviously that's been the one position where there's been the biggest log jam and um you know they have four guys who can all make legit claims on on nba rotation minutes but um obviously you don't have one guy that you really want to play 35 minutes at this point so it's kind of like you know you're damned with all these like decent guys greg monroe being obviously the most decent so what what was kind of your thinking there and um you know did you were you tempted to kind of try to go with like a two-man rotation um or or how did you kind of think about it yeah so this this was a really tough one for me um i have not been the biggest john henson fan i think you could say that (laughs) well we're Um, as a podcast we are huge fans so this is this is not going to go well for you this is well, yeah. I think you're in a safe space here, Brad. I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. So, but even but even I um, thought, you know, seriously about um, you know putting him in at least at the at the closer minutes, um, you know, to close out halves, you know, for the final five minutes or so. Um, but then, at that point, well, first of all, I had to consider. I mean, he's been back from an injury for what maybe like a week now. Um, so he's still kind of working his way back in. I mean, the team has kind of gotten used to playing without him a little bit. I don't want to put too much emphasis on that, but that was definitely in my mind. Um, and then, you know, once, once I made the decision, um, to have Giannis close out the game at center, you know, that only left, um, six or five more minutes or five minutes for John Henson to close out the, the first half with, um, unless you want to start him. Um, so assuming Thon Maker is starting, and I'll get to that in a second, but I'm, I'm not sure how engaged you can keep an already sometimes listless, listless uh, John Henson, um, despite you know playoff Henson, you know looming in the dark. <laughs> um, I know the Raptors are shaking in their boots over that, um, but I'm not sure how engaged you can keep a guy. Um, for five minutes a game and you know things will change like i said in the piece um things will change um from game to game and you know maybe maybe he takes closer minutes some game maybe he doesn't um but then yeah ultimately you could you could start him too um start him for the first six minutes of each half and maybe close out the game with him but i i'm not sure how comfortable i would be um you know I mean, the team is kind of used to the Thon Maker um, starting, um, you know, and, you know, Canada Bucks, um, friend of Brew who pointed out, because I was, I was talking about in the comments section how Giannis, you know, really seems to like playing with him. Um, and Canada Bucks said, well, doesn't Giannis kind of say that about everybody? Which is a good point. Um, I think it's I would, I would disagree. I would disagree with that. I mean, Eric, you, you, he doesn't I, say that about everybody. Were in the, no. Yeah, you were in the locker room for pretty much every home game this no. year. I mean, I don't think. I, I I'm think trying to think of the Thon kind. Of, I'm trying to think that, of the kindest word he ever said about John Henson, and I don't even know if John Henson's name has come out. What of his about mouth. Jared Bayless? Uh, de- he definitely hasn't said any <laughs> kind words about Jared Bayless. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, 
No, I don't. I don't think he just says obligatory good things about everyone on the roster. I, I know he does try to go out of his way to be that good teammate guy, um, but there certainly is something to the belief that he does like playing with Thon Maker. I I don't think that's. I don't think that's something you could deny. You could try to deny. Yeah. So I mean, that was a big thing for me. Um, I think I probably touched on it a few times in the in the piece. Um, I mean, a big thing that I kept coming back to is, um, you know, it's it's maybe a bit trite at this point, um, but you know, having the best player in a playoff series, um, I'm certainly a believer of it. Is you know one of the most important things. So I'm trying to maximize um, Giannis's you know, minutes and happiness and, you know, um, level of comfort. So if Thon being in there and, you know, Giannis always says that Thon gives him energy and, you know, gives the team energy and stuff like that. So if that helps, um, then I'm all for it. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not sure about shaking up the starting lineup after, um, having relatively the same one, um, for maybe the past two months or so. So unfortunately, John Henson and Spencer Hawes gonna have to ride the bench. Um, but yeah, once 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 Giannis was you know closing out the game as a center, and by the way, with that, I I kind of touched on it. It's it's probably impractical, right? I mean, it's not like it's been like a successful, either a successful or a consistent um, you know lineup that they've thrown out there this year. Um, I don't think Giannis has necessarily looked too comfortable in it, um, but. I mean, at this point in a in a series where they're a long shot, I was like, okay, let's let's get weird, um, and you know, Toronto kind of throws out um, you know small lineups quite a bit, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they close out a number of games, um, you know, with Tabaka at the center. So I ultimately went with Giannis at center there. Yeah, and, and just for some context, because we talked a lot about you know sort of point center Giannis uh, early in the season when. Kids started to go to that. Uh, at times, there was a stretch where he went to that a number of times when the Bucks would be losing, and and to start fourth quarters, he would go with Giannis, Toledovic, and you know basically a, a bunch of other guys who were not centers. And they had some definite success that way. And they actually um, had some success in the fourth quarter of the first game in against Toronto in Milwaukee with Giannis. I think he scored like 13 points or something like that in the fourth quarter, and he was the biggest guy on the court. And um, so I think that was sort of part of a phase there in the season where it was like kind of interesting that okay maybe this is going to be you know the, is this going to be the Bucks version of the death lineup and so I was curious you know I looked up after reading your post um, you know what Giannis had done and what the Bucks had done in in those minutes when Giannis is on the court without a traditional center and um, on NBAWowie.com uh, Evan Zamir friend of the pod uh, was on the old Bruhu podcast he's the uh, proprietor of NBA Wowie. Um, great site for looking up sort of combinations when different players are on and off court. Um, 126 minutes with Giannis on the court with no other, with no center. Uh, he scored 101 points, which translates to 29 points per 36 minutes, which of course is phenomenal. Um, I think he was at like 61% true shooting. So terrific, you know, efficiency, um, 9.7 boards per 36, 4.9 assists per 36, 2.6 blocks per 36 minutes. Um, but the downside was the Bucks were outscored by 16 points overall in those 126 minutes. So um, I think they had some success early on. And then and in, in the moments we I think we have seen it uh, a number of times sort of in like limited stretches over the past month or so. And hasn't really seemed to do anything too effective. But 
in theory, I do like it. And as you said, Brett, um, the the Raptors do like to go with Ibaka at center. They did that in the fourth quarter to close the game in Milwaukee when Lowry was out, but the Bucks won. And the Bucks actually went back to Greg Monroe in the last second half of the fourth quarter, presumably to try to you know use the size advantage to, to kind of go at Ibaka and, and take some stuff away from the Raptors just on the offensive end um, or on the Bucks offensive end. Uh, and Monroe actually didn't score in the fourth quarter, but the Bucks won. So kind of a, I don't know. I don't know if we, we learned a whole lot from that, but as you said, um, the fact that they are going to go with Ibaka at times late in games, Valanchunas hasn't always been a guy that they go to in crunch time. Um, it, it does sort of, I think, open up that possibility because Ibaka is going to be the main guy, I think, defending Giannis to start games since, um, you know, if Damari Carroll starts, I mean, you're not going to put Ibaka on Chris Middleton, right? You, it only makes sense that you put him on in Giannis. So um, I think that'll be interesting to watch, see if the Bucks do try to go small at times when, when the Raptors do. I, I'm totally fascinated by who bends in which direction, if that makes any sense. Like, the way the Raptors are going to play um, with Valanciunas, and you, you have to kind of decide between... Uh, him and Serge and how they play him and then do the Bucks counter that? Do the Bucks do their own thing and make the Raptors counter that? Uh, I think that's always the, the interesting part of a series, like whose will bends and who's willing to go out on a limb and do something they haven't done before and will that thing completely just burn and be terrible or will it be something that can totally shift the series and um when thinking about the bucks centermen it's i think that's kind of where i'm at because i i don't know if thon can handle valentunas i maybe he can but if he can't then all of a sudden if they're if the Raptors close out a second quarter with Valanciunas, well, can Thon be on the floor? Um, or can Thon handle it? And then that way Thon can play even more, and you don't have to worry about bringing in Henson or extending Greg Monroe even further. Um, how does Greg Monroe look on the floor when they go with a small center like Ibaka? Is, does he have a place on the floor? Can he keep up with Ibaka, or do they just put him in pick and roll after pick and roll and just abuse him that way on on the offensive end so there's there's so much stuff in here and there's so many ways that these teams can be very different and also um if both teams move their lineups around the same way they can be very much the same so it it, i I think it's going to be a a fascinating game of cat and mouse because one team kind of has to take the lead on that and and do their thing whatever that thing may be whether that's playing smaller playing bigger playing two guard combinations playing three guard combination whatever it may be someone has to go out on that limb and see how that works out and maybe you find something and maybe you don't so i i don't know playoff basketball is, is just very intriguing to me in that way because everyone is trying to find that little edge and everyone is trying to find those five plays that worked in their four games against each other that maybe in the playoffs you can stretch that out for a longer period of time and make something work so i i don't know i'm going to be totally fascinated and and i think the big spot for me is with the bigs and how it, how they do it with abaca patterson valanchunas and how the bucks decide to try to counter that with thon and greg monroe and henson and maybe even spencer hawes like it, it that part of this this series totally fascinates me uh, i'll say this i think you know I, i'm less of a belligerent kind of kid critic on rotations than a lot of people but i i I definitely see the the argument a lot of them 
But I'll say this. I think my biggest complaint with Kid, I mean, I thought that this, as you were saying, they're like, who, who's going to take the lead? You know, who's going to be the cat? Who's going to be the mouse? Um, th- this is one thing that I find pretty... It, it surprises me, especially given sort of the reputation Kid had coming from Brooklyn. Um, and, and ironically, in Brooklyn, that that was the the one team he beat in the playoffs was the Toronto Raptors, right? And and Eric Hughes, his assistant, um, we talked about this last night, Eric... Um, Eric Hughes, you know, uh, used to coach DeMar DeRozan in Toronto. DeRozan sort of credited uh, Hughes and, and Kidd with being able to to slow him down in the last time these teams played, um, which was interesting. But one thing that sort of is, is sort of disappointing as a fan is that when we talk about kids' weird lineups, it's not that, you know, and Brett, I think you used the phrase earlier, you know, like, oh, let's get weird. It, when when kid gets weird, it is putting crappy players in games in large quantities. It's you know like oh Delhi and Terry. Oh, I'm gonna throw Rashad Vaughn in at small forward too, right? I mean like 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 it seems like when kid gets weird, it's often by like trying to just like hammer in like or throwing you know Henson in at power forward with another center or something like that. And the disappointing thing is, it's like, dude, how about you get weird by using your really good players just in like weird ways, you know, like like. Try to you do something innovative with Giannis or pit Middleton at the four or, you know, not that I want Middleton at the four. But, you know, I'm just I'm just kind of like throwing out like random things you could do. As I said, but the, instead, the it one like- thing I can think of is going big against the Warriors death lineup. Like that was like the one time where he zagged and it was like, oh, OK, like that's kind of interesting. But other than that, you're, you're totally correct. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that that part has kind of surprised me because Kid has somehow sort of cultivated this reputation as being like, well, I mean, I understand he is a guy who likes to look for mismatches, um, but it does, it always seems to be much more reactive. Like the small lineups that we've seen, you know, especially early in the year, will always when the Bucks were losing. And this, I think in the last month, we've actually seen it sometimes when the Bucks haven't been losing. Um, Like I think in the Portland game on the road, I think they went small with Giannis at center for a few minutes before they brought Henson back. Um, and, And to be honest, that, save the game probably for them playing with Henson. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of a weird, I don't know. It's a weird thing that I, I feel like, I, I, you know, again, I think a lot of Bucks fans, it's, it's a frustration for a lot of Bucks fans. And it's not to say that, you know, well, you're not playing Giannis at center. Therefore you're like costing the Bucks wins. I don't know if you really are, but if you're going to do strange things, you know, I feel like the strangeness is usually driven by kid trying to play guys who aren't that good and trying to get them minutes, which, again, I get that, you know, you don't want to just bury guys the entire season. Um, but it's as we've talked about, Eric, so a lot of times it's just, OK, just put in one crappy guy that, you know, let Rashad Vaughn play, but don't make everything else strange around <laughs> him. Like, let him play with good players. Um but anyway, that that's that's just at the end of my little my little rambling critique. Um, I, one question I want to ask of you, Brett. Um, we haven't really talked about the guards, um, and I think you the, the the other kind of very obvious one was you mentioned Delhi and, and Terry, but um, Delhi versus Brogdon. Um, I, I thought this was kind of a very good point, which you know again um, in terms of that minute distribution. Talk to us a little bit about how you viewed Brogdon versus Delhi. Well, see, this one's tough because, I mean, even at this point, um, you know, maybe a, I don't know what I would call myself, maybe a former um, Delhi Stan, um, you know, coming into the season, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was excited for Matthew Delvadova. I was excited for a point guard that could, could shoot, you know, stay in his lane. Turns out he doesn't always do that. Um, but, 
I, I was excited. And but even at this point, um, it's I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked um, to find um, many Bucks fans that don't find, you know, Malcolm Brogdon um, to be, you know, significantly better than Matthew Delvadova. Um, that being said, I, you know, he's a rookie, but he's like not really a rookie, but he's still a rookie, really. So I didn't want to give him too many minutes. I mean, ideally, maybe two or three years down the line or one or two years down the line, he's getting, you know, you know, almost up there to Chris Middleton's 38 minutes or something like that. Um, I, I had him at like 32 and, you know, Delhi at 16. And I thought that was good. And then, you know, just going through, you know, the rotations and trying to, you know, fit guys in and get the, you know, actual rotations, um, you know, sorted out. I ended up um, with Brogdon at 34 and um, Delvadova at 14. Um, you know, funnily enough, after, um, you know, this was published, a lot of people in the comment section and on Twitter, um, you know, most of them were like, okay, this is good. Um some of them wanted less Delhi, and some of them actually wanted more um, Delvadova, which was um, kind of shocking to me. I mean, he has playoff experience. Brogdon doesn't. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't know. But with, with the play I've, I've seen um, from him the past month or so, maybe two months or so, um, it's, you know, it's, it's been frustrating at times. And um, I don't... I don't know how much you can trust any, you know, Bucks guard to really stay in front of Kyle Lowry. I mean, I feel like, you know, at any point, um, you know, even even a ball swing, if if you know Lowry even you know looks like he's going to pump fake and then turns on the Jets, you know, it's it's not really going to matter if Delavadova or Brogdon is covering him. I feel like he's you know he's going to have his way and he's going to get to the lane no matter what. Um, at the same time, you'd probably rather have um, Brogdon out there. Um, so that's that was really my thinking on it. You know, you're probably going to get torched there defensively, regardless. But might as well have you know the studying presence of uh, Brogdon out there. Um, I don't know what did what did what did you guys think about that? Um, too much Delhi, too little. Though it is ideal, I, I think 34-14 is probably ideal. I'd be shocked if Delhi plays less than 25 minutes a game in this series. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, totally shocked. And I guess the way to get there would be to chop off some minutes from, oh, I guess you could probably take some from the centers. You could probably take half of Mirza Toledovic's minutes. Um, I think you had him at 19. You can probably take nine of those and give them to Delhi. Um, I, I think... I think they'll probably trend small in this series, and I think we'll, we will see some of Brogdon and Delhi together. Um, I think we'll see um, some of those minutes that you were not fond of of Delhi and Jet together. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll probably be up around 25. I don't know if that's ideal, um, but I do very much think that uh, Jason Kidd prioritizes Delhi's leadership, Delhi's playoff experience, um, just Delhi in general, um, much more than the general public. But I would say that that's probably going to trend trend to around twenty five minutes. And I guess the the thing I was thinking about as I was rewatching some of these Raptors Bucks games is I, I think the Bucks really have to find a way that. It's either Malcolm Brogdon or Tony Snell on DeMar DeRozan. Um, 
And I, I don't necessarily know that it won't work out with the rotation that you've put, but I, I do think in some ways you almost have to stagger things so that one of them can be on DeMar DeRozan. And Brogdon's on the small side, but it just seems like to me that Middleton is not an ideal person to put on DeRozan just because he's as good as he is off ball. Um, so I guess maybe if you play Delhi more, you can juice that up a little bit where you could put Delhi on Lowry and then Brogdon over on DeRozan. Um, but yeah, I, I think Delhi plays quite a bit more in this series than that number that you have. And and I think you also know that, but it's it's far from ideal, but I assume he probably plays close to 25 minutes. Well, one interesting thing, looking at sort of Bucks lineup data since the All-Star break, um, the Delhi starting with the rest of the starters lineup, it, I think, was plus 27 in 98 minutes. Um, the Brogdon with starters starting lineup was also good, but wasn't quite that good. I think they played 135 minutes and were, were slightly less positive. So the interesting thing is that Delhi Delhi starting fives actually fared fared pretty well actually after the all-star break and it's not a big sample you know 100 minutes isn't much but um but it is interesting to see that that you know delhi hasn't been just you know especially with the stars he hasn't been like a total zero or something like that um i think i think really the thing that hurts you it's not just when brogdon's been out that that delhi is replacing brogdon but also that you know gary payton was playing actual nba minutes and you know i mean again he's a rookie who can't shoot three pointers and is trying to play nba point guard after being you know in the d league most of the season i mean that's that's tough to make work um one other note um i I would agree eric i imagine you know again i I would be totally fine with the minute distribution that brad put forward um i think in reality you know delhi and brogdon we've seen uh, they played 111 minutes together uh after the all-star break uh, they've been minus 15 in that span. So again, and these these are all total total gross plus minus numbers since it, it can be very noisy um, to use uh, net rating numbers in, in small samples like this. But um, but yeah, I, I imagine that they'll play. You know, there'll be enough kind of two point guard lineups that that Delhi's numbers will get inflated. But at a minimum, I, I will be really annoyed if you know we get to the end of some of these playoff games and it's like you know. Brogdon plays 29 minutes and Delhi plays, you know, 26 or something like that. Like, no, <laughs> Brogdon should be you. You need to find more ways to play Brogdon more than Della Vadova. And um, I think it has been encouraging that Delhi's been hitting his threes. Um, oh, man. Of late, You're going to be in the last prank six weeks. This whole series. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Delhi has been at least hitting some threes of late. Um, I think he's been looking for that shot a little bit more. Uh, and he has been hitting um, them at a higher rate. I think he was like at forty percent since March first or something like that. So um, that's a positive. And but uh, but obviously with Brogdon, I think you know, yeah, he's he's shown he should be the guy out there late in games. And um, I think you know it's just a process of elimination. It's pretty difficult to to make an argument for having Delhi in late in games when you've got Giannis and Chris who also can handle the ball on top of Brogdon and obviously Snell and his spacing and you know having some center. Um, typically is, has been the preferred choice for, for Jason Kidd. So we'll be interesting to see, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated just by this series, just because we haven't really seen these teams at full strength play one another, um, this version of these teams. So, you know, all the stats about the Bucks not matching up, I don't know. They, it's been different, uh, kind of a different sort of Raptors team that, that all that came against. And I actually think the Raptors ceiling is higher now than it was a year ago or six months ago. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily horrible news for the Bucks in a first-round playoff series because I think they're probably less likely to 
hit a thousand threes now than they were when they had Terrence Ross and um, didn't have quite, you know, like the PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka types. But um, but I'm certainly curious to get to get it started and see how things. Yeah, work. I would say the way that the Raptors beat you now is much different. Like like as we were talking to Sean last night, he was talking about how they've kind of transformed into a lead defense again. And um, yeah, the they were terrifying when they were in a historically great offense. Now that they're just like a good offense and a great defense. To me, that's not it's not quite as terrifying. I, I think that's that's probably about it. Uh, I think we've gone over everything that I had questions about. I think Frank's asked the questions he wanted. Brett, is there anything we didn't touch on in this that you wanted to mention about it? Um, obviously, go read the piece. It's at brewhoop.com, where Frank and I are both uh, alumni. Um, Frank obviously started the site. I'm not nearly as important in the whole uh, the, that whole deal, but... Go to Brew Hoop. It's optimizing the Milwaukee playoff rotation. And Brett, do you have any other uh, final thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, you asked me if we <laughs> forgot something. You know what we forgot? We forgot to talk about Michael Beasley. <laughs> oh God, his name that's hasn't true. even been mentioned. What, what is? I'm not even the host of this podcast. What's going on with you guys? We have to talk about Michael. We Beasley. we we probably need to do a, a, a second whole podcast on. I, I feel like Beasley versus Toledovich is like the the closest thing we have to sort of a a religious holy war in terms of <laughs> um, sort of like your your opinions and philosophies about basketball as as fans. Um, I, I think it's always funny to see, you know, my mentions sort of in the, when the debates break out over, over Beasley versus Toledovich. But yeah, I'm, I don't know. How much have you been flamed for the fact that you, you didn't carve out any minutes for Michael Beasley in the playoffs? Well, okay. I've been flamed for it, but I've also been praised like a, like a holy deity for it. Like it's, it's both ways. Like some people like, like, I don't really know about the term truther, but it kind of feels like what it is when it comes to Michael Beasley. Um, and I'm not hating on those people. I, I'm Like I said in the piece, I'm sure Michael Beasley is going to play at some point, and he's going to have you know a game or a quarter or a half where it feels like he's taking over. But um, I'm not even sure that, you know, when, when Beasley has it going, it's, it's kind of like I don't really feel as if, um that their chances careful. are necessarily careful careful <laughs> they're gonna come for you careful um let's see i don't feel as though he is hmm, michael jordan i don't know i don't know you you're i know you're trying to you know walk me off the, back off the ledge here and keep it diplomatic but i don't even know how to put it basically i i mean and i said this too when 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 mirza's good I feel like they have a better chance of winning this series and Giannis playing better than when Michael Beasley is playing good. I mean, defensively, they both have their shortcomings. With Beasley, it's more, you know, attention base, which is probably going to be ramped up in the playoffs, at least you'd hope so. Um, But at the same time, I think good to Ledovich, you know, if he's hitting threes, you know, not pulling too early in the shot clock when he's, you know, kind of deep and covered and, you know, just kind of staying in his lane. I think that's, you know, ultimately going to translate, um, you know, to winning basketball better than, you know, if Michael Beasley gets it on the baseline or at the elbow, you know, eight out of 10 possessions in a row and, you know, maybe scores on four of them or something like that. I'm sure 
it's gonna it's gonna happen. But um, yeah, I, I left them out. Um, and again, these are fluid rotations. So you know, if 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 Mirza doesn't have it going or they need a scoring punch, you know, by all means, put them in there. But in terms of this, I I kept them out. I don't know. I I I feel like I feel like just with John Henson, I'm. I'm in a similar crowd to you guys. Would you guys also leave out Beasley? Yeah, I would. Um, I, it's never going to happen. But uh, I, I, I mean, we've we've long said that. I mean, just wait. Let me let me try to rephrase that. I don't know if Frank has said this, but I've said before. I don't care if Mirza makes a three. I don't care. Teams still cover him like he shoots eighty percent from the three point line, and follow him all over the floor. And for Giannis Adetokounmpo, that seems like the best possible thing. So, I, I don't even need good Toledovich. I could have the worst Toledovich and still be very pleased with his contributions. Offensively. Defensively, if he's in a rough stretch, he can be just as bad as Beasley. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, a Toledovich, I'm a Toledovich guy. We're hanging out on the Mirza Archipelago, like... We're there. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's sort of these things, like, I don't begrudge Beasley anything. I think he's he's single-handedly, like, probably won them a couple games this year. And I think you look back on on his acquisition, I think that was obviously one that, that worked out well for the Bucs. Um, I, I feel like I would almost apply the, the Charlie Villanueva corollary, which is you basically give them each a look early in a game, and you basically let them take one or two shots. And then if they look like they've got it, you go with that guy and if they miss both shots then you just bench them for the rest of the game and don't go back to them um so i i, I don't know i mean that, that's really not necessarily a practical way to do it but uh but it's difficult because because obviously both guys sort of um overlap a fair bit in terms of how you might want to use them i think beasley we've seen a lot more sort of in that small forward spot whereas toledovich you know makes more sense as, as a four um and i think the hardest part for me is i always talk about you know how the bucks two-man lineup of, of Giannis and, and Toledo, which has been incredible this year. I mean, the defense has been amazing. They score a ton of points. Um, and the hard part is, well, unless you're playing that small lineup with with Giannis at center, or, I mean, you could say Mirza at center, whatever you want to do, um, it's hard to kind of put both of them on the court and, you know, be sort of optimized defensively because we always talk about Giannis being better sort of at a, as a four because you keep him closer to the basket, be able to rim protect more. Mirza, obviously not so much a, a three-man running around on the perimeter. Um, but I think, honestly, I think Toledovich, his defensive shortcomings kind of get um, overrated a little bit. And, you know, he's he's not a bad rebounder. Beasley's also a good defensive rebounder. Um, so I think both guys, you know, again, for what they are, bench bench kind of combo um, forwards, I think both guys have, you know, made a claim on on uh, on, on minutes this year. Um, but if I had to choose, yeah, I would go with Toledovich just because of the spacing. I, I think just the chance to have as much spacing uh, on the court, uh, especially now that you have Middleton and Monroe and Giannis on the court, um, you know, given the, the shot creation ability and, and sort of the fact that those guys uh, all kind of deserve touches, you know, Beasley probably isn't as necessary. Um, and, and yeah, I, at a minimum, I, I wouldn't play Beasley probably with Giannis much at all. Um, just cause I don't know, um, I, just seeing him Giannis kick it out and then have him dribble inside the arc every time for a pull up two pointer. I mean, I joked about it on Twitter the other day, but the fact that Beasley finished shooting like 54, 55% from the field this year and true shooting around 60%. 
I mean, with his shot chart, that is insane. Like, he, <laughs> that is all you need to know about how talented this guy yeah. is, that he takes so many on-the-move, mid-range, pull-ups off one dribble, long twos. I mean, his shot chart is just abhorrent, and yet the dude is efficient. I mean, this year, last year, he wasn't really necessarily before the last year, year or two, but um, dude gets buckets. You know, I thought against the Celtics, I thought he was going to go off for like 25, 30 points. Um, he ended up struggling mightily after the first quarter. But um, yeah, no question that Michael Beasley, if if the offense is bogging down, you give him the ball. And um, I think, Eric, we've joked about this. I, I don't know if I'd trust anybody on this team as much as Michael Beasley, like with five seconds left on the shot clock to just go from, you know, 20 feet out and get you a, a bucket. I, I, Michael Beasley might be the best guy in, on the team in that regard. But of course, you know, that that's his main skill. And there are obviously other areas where, where he's maybe not so good. All right, Brett, you, you got it in. Anything else you want to get in before the buzzer? <sighs> you know, I, it sucks because I've already pissed off Beasley um, fans and, you know, they're a rambunctious crowd. And I feel like I've done even more to that now. Um, so, yeah, that's great. But I think I think we're good. It really was a fascinating um, exercise to do, um, ultimately, with the center position. I mean, I could be convinced, you know, three different ways for it. Um, but, I mean, it was an interesting thing to do. Um, I thought it would be an interesting thing um, for the Brew Hoop people to talk about. And I think we're at, like, 250 comments on the on the site for it so i think i think it's definitely a debated topic and and uh, only like 200 of yeah. those comments are beasley comments right so like you, you got a solid 50 only, out yeah. of it so that you know you did what no i'm just playing um no it, it is certainly something that i mean we we actively decided that it was interesting enough to have you on the pod and talk about it so yeah we we do think it's interesting and I agree. This is going to be totally fascinating to watch. Um, it, it's just funny thinking back. I was looking at rotations from the Bucks in the playoffs the first time uh, Jason Kidd took the Bucks to the playoffs in his first year, and I was just looking at that roster and oh my god, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can make rotation mistakes with that because it's it was an awful roster. Um, MCW I think was third in minutes played, like, and that was probably a logical decision like that had to be done um so this is this is just a totally different team and um i don't know it's tough to try to look at jason kidd's past because he had such an old team in brooklyn and uh, they were trying to do some different things there and then such a young team with this bucks roster that went to the playoffs the first time and now still a young team but a team that also has a superstarish type player so uh, there's i don't know it's going to be very interesting um and I'm I'm happy we had you, Brett. Thank you for coming up. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. A big thanks to Brett Abramchak from Brew Hoop for joining us and breaking down his article and kind of letting us know what his thought process was. I think that kind of gets at the the all the intriguing stuff in this series. Hopefully, with that podcast, with the podcast we did yesterday with Sean Woodley from Lockdown Raptors, hopefully. All of that together has you feeling like you are prepared for this Bucks Raptors series that gets underway on Saturday. Um, just some programming notes there. During the game, I will be doing a second screen with Pratik Patel from ESPN Milwaukee. Um, so check out the ESPN Milwaukee Twitter 
or the ESPN Milwaukee Facebook page. Uh, we'll both be Facebook living it and periscoping it, so you can find it on either of those social media accounts. So uh, go to Twitter, that's at ESPN Milwaukee, or go to Facebook and like the ESPN Milwaukee page, uh, and then we'll try to interact with people. So if you have questions during the game, um, you can shoot those over on Periscope or on Facebook Live, and hopefully that'll be a fun, interactive experience, and you can kind of hang out with us as we watch the game on Saturday. So we're going to do that uh, on Saturday. I hope you'll join us because I think it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully it can be somewhat enlightening. So you won't probably see me tweet a whole lot during that game, um, but we'll be hanging out there and hopefully giving some sort of insight uh, as the game goes on. Also, after the game, Frank and I will be recording uh, another episode of Lockdown Bucks. We'll put it out on Saturday night. I don't know exactly when on Saturday night, but pretty close to the time that the game ends, we'll get together, record Lockdown Bucks. I'll do some quick editing and then throw it back up, um, and then we should be good to go there. So at least Sunday morning, you should be able to wake up and listen to the newest episode of Lockdown Bucks. So playoffs are here. They're exciting. Hopefully we have you ready for it, and hopefully you are ready to watch the Bucks, and hopefully the Bucks are ready to play. Uh, but like I said, we will talk to you, I guess, tomorrow kind of. Uh, um, hopefully you'll come along and listen, and hopefully the Bucks play well, and we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about after the game on Saturday. That's going to be it for Lockdown Bucks. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks.